Hello and welcome to this patient education podcast on positional plagiocephaly. My name is Damien Marucci. I'm an associate professor at the University of Sydney and I'm a plastic and reconstructive surgeon in Sydney. I work as a craniofacial surgeon at the Children's Hospital at Westmead, which is part of the Sydney Children's Hospitals Network. Today, I just want to talk about positional plagiocephaly, which is an incredibly common condition that we see in the craniofacial clinic. A few takeaways to get out there at the very beginning. Positional plagiocephaly is very common. It's a benign condition. It does not affect the development of the underlying brain in any way. It doesn't require surgery and your child's head will improve in shape with time. Let's just talk about what is positional plagiocephaly. The first thing to say is that it has a couple of different names. In addition to being called positional plagiocephaly, some units around the world call it plagiocephaly without synostosis or deformational plagiocephaly. The term plagiocephaly just means unusual head shape. And by calling it positional plagiocephaly or deformational plagiocephaly, it's just letting you know how this unusual head shape has come about. So how it's come about basically is due to positioning, the way the baby has been positioned. And that can cause flatness of part of the skull, that asymmetry is called plagiocephaly. So positional plagiocephaly is basically flattening or deformation of one side of the head due to application of an external force. It tends to occur in babies because babies' skulls are soft. The joints between the skulls, which are called sutures, are very maneuverable in order to allow the baby's head to go through the birth canal. You've got to understand that 85% of the head growth happens in the first year of life. So a lot of changes are happening to the shape and size of the skull. That has slowed down significantly by about 24 months of age. Positional plagiocephaly, where one side of the head or the other side of the head or even both sides of the head might be flat, tends to occur in the first few months of life. It is incredibly common. It's estimated that about 50% of babies nowadays will have some type of flattening, either on one side of the head or the other side of the head or both sides of the back of the head. Positional plagiocephaly can be associated with any condition that means that the baby is going to have force applied to the external part of her head for a prolonged period of time. So putting the baby to sleep on their back for example, will tend to cause the back of the head to become a bit flat. And if they're positioned more on one side or the other side, then the side that they're positioned on will become flatter than the other side. Positional plagiocephaly is more common in twins, but in this case, the deformation occurs while the twins are still in the mother's womb. And because they're kind of crammed in there, it's not unusual for the skull to be a little bit squished and that can affect the shape of the head. So then when the babies are born, they're more likely to have flatness of one side of the head or the other side of the head. It's believed that positional plagiocephaly is more common with what we call an assisted labor or where either forceps or a vacuum has been used during the delivery. Uh, the idea being that either the forceps or the vacuum has actually had an effect on the shape of the baby's head as she's being delivered. Positional plagiocephaly is more common in premature babies, and this is for a number of reasons. So babies who are born prematurely 
tend not to be as active in those first couple of weeks to months as babies who are born at 40 weeks, for example. Because of this decreased activity, they tend to lie in one position or another for extended periods, and that can lead to flatness of that particular part of the skull. Premature babies are more likely to be admitted to a neonatal intensive care unit or special care nursery where they may have various tubes put into them and so they can't move around. They might be in a humidity crib where they can't be picked up as often as babies who aren't in a humidity crib. And all of those leads to the situation where the babies might be lying on one side of the head more than they're lying on the other side of the head leading to flatness of the side of the head. Any delay in motor development, whether that's from muscle weakness or whether it's from some sort of medical problem, will lead to less movement. And that leads to more time on one side or the other side, which will lead to flatness of part of the baby's skull. Positional plagiocephaly is more common in conditions that restrict movement of the head. So there's one in particular where the muscles of the neck can become very tense and fibrotic. That's called torticollis. Torticollis affects a big muscle that goes from the side of the head beside the ear down to the collarbone and the sternum. It's called the sternocleidomastoid muscle. Any fibrosis or contracture of that muscle means that the baby can't turn her head in a normal way which means that one side of the head is more likely to be put under pressure when the child is put to sleep more than the other side of the skull. What happens to a baby's skull when these external forces are applied to it? Because the baby's skull bones are very soft, you'll get some flatness where the baby has been lying. If the flatness is on one side of the back of the head, it will tend to push the ear on that same side forward. In severe cases, it might also affect the forehead on that side. When part of the baby's skull is flat rather than being round, it's actually easier for the baby to lie in the flat spot, making it flatter. So this is why early identification of these flat areas is important. And then we can start repositioning the baby to allow the flat part to be pushed out by the rapid growth of the underlying brain. There has been a dramatic increase in positional plagiocephaly since the mid-1990s. The reason for this goes back to cot death. Sudden infant death syndrome, or cot death, was found to be related to the way the babies were being put to sleep. And if babies were being put to sleep on their tummies, the chances of them dying of sudden infant death syndrome, or cot death, was much, much higher than if they were put to sleep on their back. So for that reason, in the early 1990s, the paediatricians developed what they called the back to sleep campaign. The idea was to encourage parents to put their baby to sleep on their back and not on their stomach. As a result of this, the incidence of cot death has decreased by half since the late 1980s to today. The flip side of that is that 
the number of babies presenting with some flatness of one side of the head or the other has greatly increased. However, they're not equivalent conditions. No child has ever died of positional plagiocephaly, whereas cot death or sudden infant death syndrome is a fatal condition. Children who have flatness of one side of the back of the head or both sides of the back of the head often are seen by their general practitioner or paediatrician who may be concerned that what they are seeing is not positional plagiocephaly but rather a more serious condition called craniosynostosis. Craniosynostosis is a topic I've already recorded a podcast on. Basically speaking, craniosynostosis is a condition where the bones of the skull fuse early. There is a rare type of craniosynostosis that can affect the bones of the back of the skull. This is called lambdoid craniosynostosis, and that can present with flatness of the back of the head. When children have flatness of the back of the head, it's very important for the baby to be examined by a paediatrician or someone with expertise in diagnosing conditions of the skull in order to determine whether the shape of the back of the head is due to positional plagiocephaly, which is incredibly common, or whether it's due to lambdoid craniosynostosis, which is incredibly uncommon. As I said at the beginning, positional plagiocephaly does not affect the development of the underlying brain, whereas craniosynostosis can affect the development of the underlying brain, can lead to pressure on the brain, and craniosynostosis does require surgery, unlike positional plagiocephaly. How do craniofacial surgeons tell the difference between positional plagiocephaly and craniosynostosis? Most of the time we can do it just by examining the baby. We look to see whether the ears are symmetrical. When you look at the baby from in front, there are a few other clues in the head shape that can give away whether the head shape is due to positional plagiocephaly or whether it is due to the bones of the skull fusing early. If there is any doubt, we can arrange a skull X-ray or a CT scan, which will give us a definite answer. In terms of the diagnosis of positional plagiocephaly, as I just indicated, physical examination or the craniofacial surgeon just having a look at the baby is normally all we need to differentiate positional plagiocephaly from the more serious craniosynostosis where the bones have fused early. With positional plagiocephaly, normally there is flatness of one side of the back of the head and the ear is pushed forward on that side. We can estimate the severity of this positional plagiocephaly by using calipers which we can measure the different dimensions of the baby's skull. We can use these measurements to then classify the positional molding as either mild, moderate, or severe. Sometimes it's not completely clear whether the shape of the head is due to positional molding or whether it's due to something more serious like craniosynostosis where the bones of the skull have fused early. In those cases, we may arrange a skull x-ray, which involves a very small amount of radiation. Probably the equivalent dose of radiation you would get if you were to take a return high altitude flight from Sydney to London. However, we only order skull x-rays if there is doubt about the diagnosis. 
If there are still doubts about whether the head shape is due to positional moulding, we may arrange a CT scan. At the Children's Hospital, all the CT scans are performed using the lowest possible dose of radiation. Positional plagiocephaly, as I said at the beginning, is a benign condition. The head shape is changed, but it does not affect the development of the underlying brain. No pressure is put on the underlying brain. The brain is still able to grow normally. Children will develop better control of their necks and as a result, they'll be able to turn their heads from side to side, meaning that they won't just be lying down in the one position, making the head flatter. Also, by repositioning the baby, by making sure they're not just lying in the one spot, you can help the condition of positional plagiocephaly because the brain is able to push out the part of the skull that was flat through normal brain growth. What we find therefore in all cases of positional plagiocephaly is that the flatness tends to improve with time. Often it doesn't improve completely and you don't end up with a completely round back of the head but it improves significantly such that it doesn't tend to be a concern for the parents anymore. Another thing that happens is children grow hair which further camouflages the flatness of that side of the head. As I said earlier, Positional plagiocephaly does not cause developmental delay. However, patients who have delay in their motor development may develop positional plagiocephaly as a result of them not moving around as much as other children do. In this case, it's important to recognize that positional plagiocephaly is being caused by the motor delay. It's not causing the motor delay. One of the things that parents are very concerned about when they bring their children to the clinic with positional plagiocephaly is whether their child will be teased later in life. Children, basically speaking, are never teased about the shape of the back of their head. It just doesn't happen. Think back to when you were at school. If children had funny ears or the eyes were different or there was something unusual about their nose, after the age of seven or eight, they would tend to be teased. However, no one is ever teased about the shape of the back of their head. Force yourself to look at the backs of people's heads next time you're in a crowd of people. You'll notice that there is a huge range of head shapes out there when it comes to the backs of people's heads. But even though we can look at the back of someone's head and say, gee, that looks pretty flat, we don't tend to make a value judgment about it. Unlike facial difference, which people and children do tend to make value judgments on. For that reason, we just never see in the craniofacial clinic a five-year-old or a 10-year-old or a 15-year-old or a 25-year-old coming in saying, you've got to do something about the shape of the back of my head because I'm really coming in for some grief with the wider population. It just doesn't happen. People are not teased about the shape of the back of their head. Now let's get on to treatment of positional plagiocephaly. This is very controversial. So I'll first start off with the non-controversial things. The best ways to treat positional plagiocephaly are first of all, to make sure that the baby gets supervised tummy time. 
This is not the same as putting the baby to sleep on their tummy. This means that when the baby is awake and you're fully supervising the baby, the baby is allowed to lie on her tummy. The other important part of treatment is to make sure the child is not lying on the same side of the back of the head every night. Change the position slightly to make sure that the flat spot is not being laid upon, which means that as the brain rapidly grows, hopefully it can cause some roundness of that. Often, positional plagiocephaly is related to weakness or stiffness of the neck muscles. We often get the physiotherapy team involved who can demonstrate exercises for the parents, supervise repositioning and give advice on repositioning, and can also can give stretching exercises for the neck that can help overcome tightness of the neck muscle. Sometimes, however, this tightness of the neck muscle, the torticollis that I spoke about before, doesn't improve with physiotherapy, in which case sometimes surgery will be required in order to release the muscle which is contracting. Now let's get to the most controversial area of the management of positional plagiocephaly, and that is the need for a helmet. The idea of using a helmet for positional plagiocephaly is that the helmet will put some pressure on the parts of the skull which have grown normally and not put pressure on the flat part of the skull. So as the brain continues to grow, it will tend to push out that part of the skull that doesn't have the external pressure from the helmet. Helmets are usually started at around six months of age, but that varies at different units around the world. Some units consider six months to be a little bit too late. Some units consider six months to be a little bit too early. All units would consider helmets to be too late once the soft spot or the anterior fontanelle at the front of the baby's skull have fused. Helmets need to be worn for between 20 and 23 hours a day, seven days a week, and they need to be modified as the baby's head grows. Now, to the big question, do helmets work? This is a very controversial area. There has only been one good randomized control trial, that is where children were either put in a group where they had repositioning, or in a group where they were treated with a helmet, and that was published in the British Medical Journal in 2014. That study actually demonstrated there was no difference in outcome between whether a child was treated with a helmet or whether a child was treated with repositioning. There is no doubt, and there are many studies out there showing that if a child has positional plagiocephaly and you put them in a helmet, their head shape will get better. But by the same token, if a child has positional plagiocephaly and you do aggressive repositioning, the child's head shape will also get better. Helmets cost a lot of money. Some children just simply do not tolerate a helmet. A helmet can have potential complications. For example, they can cause the hair to rub off uh, where the helmet is putting pressure on the skull, leading to a condition called alopecia. Sometimes it can affect the skin. And finally, there is a risk with a helmet that it won't actually do anything and the child's head shape will be as flat as it would have been without a helmet. There is no doubt that Babies who have mild or moderate positional plagiocephaly probably are not well served by having a helmet. Patients who have severe positional plagiocephaly, if the parents bring the topic up, will certainly have a discussion about a helmet, but it's not something that we push one way or another. 
Remember, the positional pledge carefully is a benign condition. It will improve with time. It will not affect the development of the baby as they become a child and an adult. They will not be teased about the shape of the back of their skull. However, if parents are adamant they want a helmet, certainly we can steer them in the right direction and they can have a helmet made by an orthodist. I hope you have enjoyed this patient education podcast on Positional Page Carefully and that I've been able to answer some questions that you may have had. If you do have other questions, please don't hesitate to contact me. My name is Damien Marucci and thank you very much for listening.